Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you have something that's good, talk about what's good about it. What, what is it doing? What is it going to do for the consumer? As opposed to focusing on what you don't have and making other people sound, sound like they are dirty. Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Welcome to Los Angeles. Fun. This is a fun episode because some tea is spilled. I can't believe it took this long to have this man on here. This man. It's Ron Robinson, everyone. We have Ron Robinson, who is the cosmetic chemist and the brains and founder behind one of my favorite beauty products of all time, Beauty Stat. Sarah loves it too, obvi. And you guys love it too, because we know you do. You talk about it constantly. Ron is a cosmetic chemist. He started his career at Clinique. He's going to talk about his background and what led him to get into cosmetic chemistry and formulations and things like that. He actually started Beauty Stat when he left uh, the beauty industry overall as a chemist. Uh, beauty Stat was a popular blog and they did influencer marketing for 10 years. And because of his cosmetic chemist background, he was constantly getting asked by different editors and reporters about ingredients and how they worked. And he found a theme with vitamin C. It's unstable. How can our consumers stabilize it? What should they be looking for? What should they be doing? How do they get the most out of their vitamin C product? And thus, uh, he went to the drawing board and started to formulate what we now know as Beauty Stat. Be one of the best vitamin C's out there. Arguably the best one. So when we told everyone that we were going to have a cosmetic chemist on the pod, we asked for your questions and we received some really interesting, diverse questions, things that I wasn't even thinking you would were going to bring up. Yeah, you guys are smart. A plus. Yeah, we had to narrow down um, what we thought was the best use of Ron's time. But I'm sure if you go to his page or Beauty Stats page and ask, they would be happy to respond to your own question if it didn't if it didn't get answered in today's episode. Ron also used to work for Lemaire, so he let us pick his brain a little bit about that. And boy, do we have some some tea? It's served hot. <laughs> Cannot wait for you to hear this it's great i think that this like we we're joking about this in the episode but basically the episode starts off with like personal consults (laughs) we're like hold on we don't we just want to ask our personal personal question ron personal question personal question but hopefully you guys also find it useful i think you will if you have any questions about vitamin c in general or this specific product he lays out exactly the right way to use it why it's different than other vitamin c's why vitamin c he he gets into basics of vitamin c like what's the purest form why is it unstable like how's it supposed to work all of these things he talks about cocktailing ingredients like should you or shouldn't you he has a whole diatribe about clean beauty and 
what he feels about that. Very, but a very polite one. Oh, he's so polite. Come on now. He's not dragging anybody, but he is very upfront and forthcoming with how he feels, which is really refreshing. Um, I think sometimes brand founders tend to hold back a little bit, and he, in the most uh, you know polite way, explained his thoughts on a variety of different beauty issues. So you guys are going to appreciate this episode. I have a feeling this is going to be an episode that is pretty popular uh, moving forward. So enjoy our chat with Ron. Also, for those of you who are looking to purchase Beauty Stat, it is now available in more retailers. So um, initially it launched in Violet Gray. It was then available in Blue Mercury stores. Now it's available at Saks, Neiman Marcus, Nordstrom. The heavy hitters. Heavy hitting. We love a good uh, Nordstrom product. So if you are looking to attain beauty stat, they have expanded their retailers. Let's just kick it over to Ron. Take it on, Ron. Uh, no, not take it on. <laughs> take it on, Ron. <laughs> take, it, take it off, Ron. <laughs> take it off, Ron. Oh, God. Okay. Enjoy, okay, guys. <laughs> Everybody, I I don't know. I don't know how it took this long to get honestly Ron Robinson on this podcast because I have sung this man's praises for at least 14 months at this point. Literally since <laughs> the beginning of our podcast. Yes. To the point where it was like, is Ron paying Kirby? <laughs> <laughs> under the table, under the table. No, Ron um, is incredible. And Ron is the founder of Beauty Stat, as we already mentioned. He is absolutely wonderful so knowledgeable and we were thinking okay we've never had a cosmetic chemist on this podcast before who should we reach out to felt like the obvious choice getting ron over here so ron welcome to gloss angeles thank you kirby and sarah love being here being here today to talk to you guys okay so we like to start off all of our episodes by asking our guests what's What's on your face? face so ron what's on your face well, aside from using my Beauty Stat Universal C Skin Refiner, a great vitamin C serum, I am using this new foaming face wash from Ahava that I love. It, it's, it's self-foaming. It's one of those self-foaming pumps. I'll grab it later, but it's a self-foaming pump. Easy, it's, and it has this lovely rose scent to it. Really cleanses without stripping. I love it. I love it. I love it. So that's one of the, my new product finds that I love. I told you this before we started recording, but I think we have more questions for you than we've had for literally any other guest on this podcast. We uh, we basically asked our audience, what do you want to know? And they sent in a variety of questions, things that I didn't even realize they were curious about. Our Glam Gelinos, is like we like to call them, they're obsessed with you and your product as well. So I think they're just so excited to get to pick your brain about oh, it. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I saw, I saw some of the questions. I hope I can answer them. I'm going to try my best. You will be able to answer them with flying colors. So um, this one's an easy one. What made you want to get into cosmetic chemistry before you joined the beauty industry? Yeah, great, great question. I fell into this business. I had no idea this business existed. I was studying to be a doctor and it was, you know, I had some parental pressure, especially from my mom. Oh, you've got to be a doctor. It's a great profession. It's well-respected. You'll make a lot of money. And, you know, that was, that was my, the goal, that was her dream. And that's what she wanted for me. So I dropped out of med school, went for a year, dropped out. 
and then went and moved back in with my parents and was sending out resumes looking for a job. I had a chemistry degree and Clinique called me in for an interview. And keep in mind, I had no idea this whole world of the science behind beauty existed. So I go in an interview and we're talking chemistry and then they're taking me on a tour around the labs and they say, well, here are the chemicals that we use and here's how cosmetics are made. And I was like blown away. I was like, so you could put all this stuff together and then actually see it out on the shelf a year or two later. And I thought that was just so amazing that it, this whole world of chemistry and art that's involved in beauty and skincare, and I fell in love immediately with it. They hired me on the spot, and that's how I fell into the industry and started as a cosmetic chemist working for Clinique. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, Ron, can you share some of the brands that you have worked with in the past? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Clinique, Estee Lauder, La Mer, which are all part of the Estee Lauder companies, and then moved on to Revlon, Avon, and L'Oreal. Wow. All the big names. All the, all the big names and, and experience in developing products for, for drugstore, department store, as well as direct selling with, with Avon. So so real, real good perspective on the different channels that beauty can be bought and sold in. That's amazing. So obviously you have a lot of experience uh, with, you know, these household name brands, just, you know, prestige brands and um, very familiar, obviously, with all the products that they make. Um, vitamin C products are, there are tons of them on the market, especially now, lately. Um, but yours is very special. What did you feel was missing on the market when it comes to vitamin C when you were creating Beauty Stat? Yeah, so what happened is when I, when I left working for the big companies, I started Beauty Stat and it started as a very popular beauty blog. And it, the minute I left working for big companies, all the beauty editors reached out to me and said, listen, we'd love your help on stories we're working on. We'd love to you know, pick your brain and find out about different ingredients, trends, what works, what doesn't work. And vitamin C, over the past 10 years, vitamin C was a repeated question. Every year, editors would come to me, hey, Ron, why is vitamin C not stable? What's the deal with it? What can consumers do? How should they store their vitamin C products? For 10 years, every month, there was a question coming my way about vitamin C. So I knew, as a, as a chemist, I knew it was it's an unstable ingredient. But I, I kept on thinking, well, what if we could solve that problem? What if we could stabilize it in its pure form so that consumers don't have to worry about it oxidizing, turning brown, turning orange, and having to toss the product away. So I, I met up with a former chemist colleague of mine, and we started tinkering around with this idea of stabilizing it. So we were kind of doing that as a side hustle, if you will, while we were focusing on our, on our day businesses of running blogs and, and, and consulting, et cetera. So a couple of years into it, we started to get, we got a formula that really was truly indeed stable and had a lovely, unique texture. We applied for patents and we then went on to put it on an independent clinical test because we thought, okay, so it's stable, that's great, but is, does it really deliver results in this pure stable form? So again, we put it on this independent study, it was a lot of money, but we, we said, listen, let's do this, let's really see if this is gonna work or not. And it turned out the results were fantastic. Independent clinical testing, significant, significant improvement in lines, wrinkles, firmness, and the evenness of skin tone and texture and discolorations. It was major. And based on that, 
is what made me, prompted me to launch the brand and get so heavy into vitamin C. And we think this is a revolution in, in, this, in, this, in the vitamin C skincare category. Okay, so this is going to be a really heavy vitamin C episode, everybody listening, because it's my favorite ingredient. I'm biased. I love vitamin C. It's always been my favorite. I love the return that I get when I use it. Um, I feel like, you know, a lot of times for a good vitamin C, it might be a little bit of an investment, but I'm willing to invest if I know. Like, I bought Beauty Stat. Like, before I knew Ron, before I knew anything about him, I went to Violet Gray and I bought it. And... I had the worst skin of my life at that point. Um, for those of you that may not be familiar, I had left my job. My skin was breaking out from inflammation, stress, all of these things combined of me like starting something new. And within two weeks, three weeks, my skin had completely cleared up. I think I posted an uh, Instagram photo of me like holding the product and like showing the before and after or something. It was incredible. And it wasn't just my acne that went away. It was the texture of my skin looked better. So that's why I truly believe in this product. And uh, one of the questions that I commonly get about it is like, okay, you talk about like the purest form of vitamin C. You talk about it being unstable. You talk about the independent um, clinical testing. Can you explain to the audience, just like in the most basic way you possibly can, what is the purest form of vitamin C? What does it typically need to be stabilized? And then how were you guys able to stabilize it? Was it the encapsulation? It's the, it's the encapsulation. So that's our magic. And that's the basis for our patent that no one else has. So we encapsulate pure, pure vitamin C, which is called L-ascorbic acid. And I think in some of your questions, people might want to know, like there are other types of vitamin C, which are derivatives. So what that means is that it's a, it's a, combination or complex of pure vitamin C with another ingredient. Usually, usually it's a salt that combines it, wraps it, and that, and that helps stabilize it. So that's another way of stabilizing it. The difference is, is that because it's combined, the net impact of that pure vitamin C part is less. So you may have 20% of a vitamin C derivative that's attached, you know, attached pure vitamin C, uh, the, the one that helps to stabilize it. Then when it sinks into the skin, you net you net out with ten percent vitamin C. So that's so the net impact of pure vitamin C is lessened because it's it's in a complex form. Does that kind of make sense to you? Perfect. I think that's a really great example. So in, in our in our case, we're using pure. There's no it's it's it's, it's pure twenty percent vitamin C. So that's what goes in in and sinks into the skin and begins to do its job. So so the, so this is our method of delivering more pure. L-ascorbic acid, which is the purest form of vitamin C. So I know that I, we wanted to ask you this a little bit later, but I just have to ask you now. Does encapsulating the vitamin C, how does that affect the like lifespan of the product? It, uh, in our case, it, 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 ex it extends it significantly. So it's so vitamin C, what, why, it's, why it degrades is that it's very sensitive to light and air. With our encapsulation technology, it's not, it doesn't get exposed to light or air so that it remains stable. Our product does not turn brown or turn orange. It does not oxidize. And we've done studies with a lot of other vitamin Cs in the market, and it's clear. Consumers know that they have to be careful with, their, with other products out there that they have to watch it. Oh, oh, it's starting to turn now. So they know that's their cue. It's not going to be as active and, and perform as well anymore. So, uh, so that's what we are doing that's unique. In turn, again, encapsulating it so that it stays stable. It does not degrade. And we have a very long shelf life of actually three years. Wow, that's really impressive compared to some other vitamin C's that we've used and 
you know, that are have a really high price tag and can go bad in like six months after opening it and you don't even go through the entire product. So let's talk about the texture. I, I do want to kind of school people on the right way to use Beauty Stat. I know our Facebook group is very active. Shout out to the Glam Julinos on Facebook. There's a whole thread. Actually, there's multiple threads about Beauty Stat. Beauty Stat's on sale. I just bought Beauty Stat here. Um, has anybody tried Beauty Stat? Okay, I have Beauty Stat. I feel the texture. This is unlike anything I've ever felt before. Is that normal? So can you talk a little bit about the texture and then the right way to use Beauty Stat? Should you be using it with other products or other serums? Like, do you put it over or under moisturizer? Just lay it all out for everybody. Absolutely. So here, here's the product that you know very well. Two pumps. Two pumps should get should get your face uh, completely in a little bit of your neck, the neck area. So, and you'll see the texture. It's a gel queen. So it's not like a runny, fluid-like product like others on the market, so it's different. So, and that was intentional. We wanted something that was unique in feel and look. So consumers knew, okay, this is a different type of vitamin C product. What happens is that you think it's, it's, it's going to be heavy, it's not. It really blends in almost leaving a natural finish. It's so light and velvety to the, to the touch. So that's a very unique aspect of it. You apply this on clean skin, follow immediately with your moisturizer, and then you can follow with your next steps, whether that's a sunscreen or, or, or makeup. Now it's 20% pure vitamin C. So consumers that have, that have used other products, which might be 15, 12, 10, this is gonna feel different from because of the higher level of vitamin C. So some people experience tingling. That's natural. That's the vitamin C starting to do, to do the work. So we have very sensitive skins, even though our product was, was tested on sensitive skin and very it tested very well. Some consumers, they're going to feel too tingly. It's going to feel, oh, it feels too, it feels like it's burning a little bit. It's working. So what we tell them is start at night. Again, follow immediately with your moisturizer and then begin to build up to using it uh, twice a day. So, but again, one, one thing that's great about about active products, products that really work. Some consumers are, are, not, gonna, are not going to like them. We understand that. That's, that's, you know, everyone's skin's different. Everyone's, everyone reacts to things differently. So, and that's, that's the beauty of us being individuals. So but to answer some of, some of your, 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 your fans in the thread, I just want to let them know this is the expectation uh, if, they're to try, if they're to try it. And why, if they did not like it, those might be the reasons why they, they might not like it. It might not be their preference. They might prefer something a little bit more watery liquid. Got it. I have a question about like breakouts when it comes to vitamin C. Like if somebody's using vitamin C and they feel maybe it's like too strong for their skin and then they have like, I don't know, like a little bit of a purge or appears to be a breakout, should they stop using it? Or is it something with like an active like vitamin C that you should push through it? Like what, what would be the sign that you should stop using a vitamin C product? Big, big sign is if even through easing into it, you're still having a problem. You're still having whatever that problem is, whether that's tingling, burning, or breaking out. So, so you want to push through to an, to a certain sort of a few days, and if that's still not working, pause. So I know on on one of the threads in our Facebook group, uh, there was a listener who said, um, you know, she was using it with other serums. One, do you suggest just using the Beauty Stat? as your only, you know, serum or only product between cleanser and moisturizer. And then additionally, are there products that you shouldn't be using with vitamin C in general? What, what I love about vitamin C is it's, it's very compatible with other, other ingredients, provided your skin can tolerate it. 
we get a lot of questions from our consumers about they might be on prescription retin-a so they want to know can they use it and the answer is yes use your vitamin c first follow with your vitamin a or your hydroxy acid or your retinol or use one during the day followed with moisturizer and then use another one at the other part of the day that's another way to do it. A lot of consumers, they like to cocktail. Because vitamin C, is, it's great. It's great with pigmentation. They want to use that for pigmentation, but they may have uh, wrinkles as well, and they want a retinol as well to use at the same time. So you can layer, you can layer them if you're really trying to attack, tackle two big issues at the same time. Vitamin C first, another active afterwards, whether that's niacinamide or retinol or glycolics. Kirby, do you use uh, Beauty Stat in conjunction with other active treatments? Okay, so do I, because when I read that thread, I was really surprised because I have not had any, like, I haven't had any breakouts or anything from using it with other products. And so, but I, I, to your point, like everyone's skin is different and it just depends, but. Totally. I I mean, I'm using um, a compounded cream for my melasma. It has like kojic acid and tretinoin in it. So even hydroquinone, which I know is a little controversial. And if I feel like my skin is a little bit uh, more reactive or sensitive, I'll just literally put it on my forehead and then I'll put beauty stat everywhere else. So sometimes I layer them. Sometimes I do, you know, beauty stat in the morning and that compounded cream at night. Yeah, because sometimes I notice like, the beauty style, it'll, you know, I'll, I'll wear it and it feels, you know, normal or whatever. But some days it feels a little spicier, but that could be because I, you know, used a, a exfoliating product the night before, two days before, and I just forgot. So, yeah, I guess you just have to really pay attention to your skin and, and what it's like that day. And then the other thing, the texture of, of our Beauty Stat Serum, it's, it's more matte and velvety. So it lends itself as you're almost like a, your priming step. So it's easy to layer on a more, a more, let's say, emollient type of serum or moisturizer over it. So that's why we suggest using using ours first. Oh yeah, I had like we're just like spitballing these questions. I forgot that we even had like a list of other questions to ask. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a personal consultation versus another. <laughs> that's what it's turning into. Sorry, everyone. Hope that this is useful to you. Um, okay, so we want to talk about, this is a, a user submitted question. Do powder products really go bad after a year? And what can happen with an expired skincare and makeup product? It's inter- interesting you ask about powder products because I was just working on a story for, for a beauty magazine about my opinion on the powder trend. And I think you're talking about the idea of, of these products that are, are, don't contain any water. Is that correct? They're just yeah. powder-based. Especially there's so many vitamin C powders now. Well, also, um, I think this question was actually focused on makeup. Oh. Like, oh. Um, oh. Do, pow- like do powder makeup products actually go bad after a year? Like, I guess she's wondering what's the worst that could happen if she used a product, like a cosmetic product that wasn't inspired. But I would also love to hear about powder skincare products because that's a huge trend right now. Basically, shelf life for products for for powder products, usually about a year. So a little bit longer, you know, your mascara is anything around the eye area, it's gonna be a little bit shorter shelf life. Powder, anything without water uh, can can extend a little longer to about a year or so after opening. The, the way you could lengthen that time is through your storage. So if you're storing it in a cool, dry environment and you know that it's not it's not exposed, you keep the, you keep the, the lid tight, you may get away with it a little bit longer, but just you should you know use care with storage and that'll help extend the shelf life of your products. But let's talk about these powdered products, skincare products. 
Yeah, so, so this is a trend we are seeing, and I think it's coming out of the need to be more eco-friendly and sustainable. Products that contain water, they, re they require more manufacturing, processing, and, and more waste. So this is a way of delivering a product that's easily put together, blended, and can be, can be delivered to the customer. And then in most cases, they're water activated as well. So you can control and customize the concentration that you want for your specific skin or for whatever specific time you're using it. So that's a trend we're starting to see. Uh, it's, it's great, again, the, the customization part of it is really key as well as the eco-friendly, is, is, it's a great plus. Uh, only downside is that you, it's, you don't have as many, the texture, if you will, it's not as, may not be as pleasant as more other, you know, other types of products, more traditional products. So there's some compromises there. But again, it's a trend that we should be looking at as well. Got it. This is a hot topic. Um, you know, Sarah and I actually had a discussion about the term non-toxic a couple of days ago, like when we were having our weekly Los Angeles meeting, we were like, I think we need to stop promoting non-toxic as a term to describe products because there are natural ingredients that are bad for you. And there are also, you know, synthetic ingredients that are bad for you. There's, it's not that, you know, synthetic is completely bad and, and same with natural. But um, clean beauty obviously is like taking over the world right now. Um, and I think this has really been a push from the United States. In the EU, they have way more ingredients that they don't allow like within their products. So I don't really know if that's necessarily like the push that uh, you know, people across the world have really been noticing, but in the United States, because there's not that much regulation when it comes to cosmetics, I think people are really, really interested in clean beauty. So the question from our follower was, what's your take on quote unquote clean beauty? Are they really better than regular products? I have a lot to say about clean beauty because my, my thing with it, with using the term clean, is if you say you're clean, that means you're implying other people are dirty other products are dirty. And I think it's, it's, it's creating fear amongst consumers because you're saying, because you are free of this ingredient, XYZ ingredient, that you are, that the others are dirty and dangerous. And I don't like, I don't like that. If you have something that's good, talk about what's good about it. What, what is it doing? What is it gonna do for the consumer? As opposed to focusing on what you don't have and making other people sound sound like they are dirty. So that's my that's my perspective on it. So, and I think the consumer, though the consumer does want clean, at the end of the day, we want results. We were just talking a few minutes ago about, hey, I have this, I have that, I'm trying to do this. And we didn't talk about, we didn't talk about clean at all. We were, we wanted results. So that's what we beauty stat we focus on is delivering results. Of course, we're going to use safe ingredients. We're not going to use any ingredients that is that that are known to cause harm uh, to consumers. That's that's a given. But again, we're, we we double down on our clinical testing and our and our consumer testing to make sure that we are delivering products that deliver results first and foremost, and that are safe safe for the consumer as well. So that's key to us. So again, my, my issue with clean, the clean category and, and trend is focus on what your product is doing for the consumer versus trying to badmouth and trying to uh, 
uh, you know, make other people seem dirty. And I feel like oftentimes in this clean beauty space or whatever, with so many of these different brands, they aren't really saying that anything more than that they're clean. Like they don't explain what makes them clean. Like to your point, what what ingredients they're using that are good for you. They just slap that label on and expect people and consumers to be like, oh, it's great. You know, like this is I feel good using it. But like, what does it actually mean? And I really like the fact that you're using the word safe. Like, I feel like that's like a much better descriptor, right? Like these ingredients, these products are safe for you to use not just clean beauty. Absolutely, Absolutely. because it, as it, it, Kirby, as you said, there are natural ingredients which are on, on, the, on these no-no lists as well. And there's plenty of synthetics which are great for the, great for the skin and we should be talking about what, what your product does, but performance at the end of the day. You know, for clean beauty too, I would implore any brand founder that does use that label or uses the word non-toxic to actually um, invest in independent clinical testing as well, especially when it comes to skincare, to prove to your consumers that you also have efficacious products that will deliver results. Otherwise, you're really um, selling snake oil. And I don't, like, I, that's what, like, personally, when I start to think about products that I'm covering or recommending to people, if they're clean, you know, I'll mention that just because that's, like, a, a, a term that we're using so much in the industry at this point that consumers and our audience care about that. But if there's no actual proven results that I can, you know, testify to like reading about or even experiencing. It's kind of like, what's the point of even recommending this product just because it's clean? I don't need to use one more product. I want to use effective products. Yeah, we're, we're all, we're watching our pennies here and yeah, we love beauty, but we want performance at the end of the day. So totally agree. Do your testing, talk about performance. And yeah, by the way, yeah, we're free of this too, but that's an afterthought. It's, it's, it's a nice to have versus, okay, where as opposed to being, being your main pitch, if you will. Here's another uh, listener question. What are some of the most difficult ingredients to formulate? Certainly uh, vitamin C is one of them. Retinol is one of them. Most of the, the active ingredients that we, we know that dermatologists and scientists agree are proven performers, they all can be tricky to formulate retinols, vitamin Cs, AHA sometimes, and then of course, the combination of ingredients. As a chemist, I usually want multiple things in my formula. There's, there's yes, there's some workhorses, but you have, a, you have great supporting ingredients that work synergistically to create a great formula. So that's where the, there's the science and the art of blending those together in the right way. That's gonna deliver results, and yet have the feel and texture that consumers are going to love. They want to come back and they really enjoy the whole experience. So that's what that's my challenge as a chemist when I formulate products. What are your thoughts on Bakuchol? A great ingredient as well. We're starting to see a lot more research on it as well. As a, as a, as, a, as you say, it's a natural, less irritating form of, of retinol. So I think it's an interesting I love that there's testing behind it and, and brands are doing more testing with it. So I, I really like that. So I'm in favor of that for sure. Okay, let's bring out the alcohol. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's time to drink. You know, it's afternoon in, uh, in, my, in my time zone. So yes, I'm all for it. <laughs> it's nine. It's 9.54 a.m. Sarah's pregnant. So sadly, we are not drinking on the West Coast right now. <laughs> So 
sadly, I'll get her a mimosa or a virgin mimosa, orange juice. There you go. I love this question. Alcohol as an ingredient in makeup and skincare. Overall, is it good? Is it bad? And why? People love the alcohol discourse on social media. Oh my God, this product has, you know, denatured alcohol. This product has the alcohol in it. Makeup wipes have alcohol in them. Give us the straight answer about alcohol. Should we be worried? Should it be something we look at? Or sometimes is it good for formulations? Sometimes it works. Alcohol is a vehicle for other ingredients that are going to do, they're really doing the work for that particular formula. And why alcoholism is is a, a go-to sometimes is that immediately, as soon as you apply it, it evaporates and you're left with whatever that ingredient is that's going to be doing, doing really more, more for you. So that's its purpose. It's only in select products. It's not, in, it's not widespread and everything. For who it's not for, it's not for those for, that have really dry or sensitive skin because it's, because really it can dehydrate to some extent. So that's why it's not great for those skin types. Other than that, it's fine. It's fine for everyone else. No one has to be so scared. We're all so scared. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So this is an interesting question. There are a handful of brands that have been, you know, coming out. They launch with products that have just one ingredient. What are your thoughts on that? My thought, my thoughts on it are that it is fine depending on the ingredient. And it's, it's, it's a launch knowing that this will be a layering item. You know, I talked about when I, when I formulate, I often, I'm working with multiple ingredients. And the only case where I'd be looking at a single ingredient is if it really, if that ingredient really does a really good job on its own, it doesn't need to be combined with anything else. And it all, would also be meant to be layered with something else. So this would be another ingredient, this would be another product that might be layered over a treatment and then followed with a moisturizer or vice versa. So it depends. And we're seeing obviously a lot in the single ingredient oils, squalane, very popular ingredient as well in, in, a, in a single form. So, and it also speaks to the, the, the waterless trend and the more uh, eco-friendly trend of just, just being able to process easily since it's one single ingredient. Sarah, you know what I wanted to do, right? Squalane! We always, whenever we talk about squalane, we're like, squalane! Kirby and I have a complicated relationship with squalane. We both used, we both used a product that had like squalane was like the number one ingredient in it and it just did not agree with our skin and so we sort of wrote it off and then we discovered that it was just that pop or that product in specifically squalane is in beauty stat though right yes we did we did so that's that's when i was like huh maybe it's not just this ingredient and that's and again as a chemist i'm looking at blending i don't necessarily want to use all of one thing or too much of one thing i want to use a level the, the, the just enough of, the, of that ingredient, whatever that specific ingredient is, that's going to do its job and, and don't overkill it. So that's how I formulate. And it's about the blend and about the concentration. And that's why you seem to be fine, even though we have squalane in, in there. Squalane is a great ingredient. Again, not for all, everyone in its purest form. What ingredients do you think are overused? Overused. There are a lot of ingredients that are, that are becoming trendy now. I, you know, I'm certainly, certainly our business is benefiting by the resurgence and the attention to vitamin C. So I, I, you know, I don't know if there's any ingredient necessarily that's, that's overused or, oh, do you mean overused by, by 
by a single person or that's being talked about too much or both. Is there an ingredient push that maybe you're seeing from other brands or within the industry as a whole that you think, oh, this is weird. Like, why are we pushing this ingredient so hard? People are looking to sell a story and tell and tell a story that's that's on that's on trend or it's trendy. And I think we're seeing that we're seeing that with niacinamide. That's becoming a hot ingredient now as well. Not for everyone. Niacinamide is great for most, but not for everyone. It has some, you know, there's some issues that can happen with 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 redness and, and that sort of thing with, with some folks. But consumers should be looking at what works for them. Look for clinical testing. If you can test and sample it, even better. And work and understand what's going to be working for your for your skin type, and not necessarily buy into what's what's trendy. What would you say consumers and our listeners would be, you know, shocked or surprised to learn about when it comes to formulating a skincare product? It's a lot like cooking. When you make a formula, it's it's cooking. You you follow a recipe. You have to be careful with the measurement and your process, the way you process your ingredients. And it's blending, it's measuring, it's heating, it's mixing, it's pouring, it's storing. So it's basically, I think that might be the surprise about how much like, how much like cooking it, it actually is. Oh, wait. So I can't just gauge though, like how much, you know, salt I want to throw into the recipe like I usually do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's cooking where you're following a recipe, not, not for those cooks that improvise. Oh, I want to splash of that. It's literally, it's following to the T, the measurement, the step-by-step process. So I have a personal question. Do you remember the first product that you created? Yes, I did. I did. What was so, it? So my first, I, a couple of interesting ones, and this is all goes back to my Clinique days. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to age my, date myself. So I, I worked at Clinique in the early 90s. So a little bit on the, on the old side, on the mature side. So first, one of my first things was to work on some line extensions for uh, Clinique eyeshadow. So I worked, I worked on makeup first, makeup products first. So I worked on blending shades. And by the way, when you're making eyeshadow, you, you're putting your ingredients into a, a beaker and then you're blending, you're osterizing it or blending it basically. And that's what creates the blend of, of pigment. And then you press them down into, into the pans. And so Clinique was looking at extending their shade, their shade range for eyeshadows. And one of, one of the first projects I had was working on some new, new shades, more punchier, more vivid, uh, shades for that brand. So that was one of my first things I did from a makeup in makeup. Then my first skincare uh, product I worked on was some of Clinique's, I'm not sure if you guys remember this, but some of Clinique's early turnaround products called Turnaround Cream and Turnaround Lotion. This is back in the 90s, but they had a relaunch a, a decade later. So, and that was the first time Clinique, uh, we used encapsulated salicylic acid as our key ingredient that helped improve skin texture and tone. So that was my first blockbuster product I developed and formulated for the Clinique brand back back in the 90s. Sarah, do you remember the first Clinique product you ever bought? I don't, but I just know that it has it was such a huge part of like my beauty upbringing because my mom was such a big fan. Like, you know, that was the counter that we would go to first when we would go to the mall and she would always get the gifts with purchase. She loved the free makeup bags. <laughs> um, and actually, Kirby and I were on an, a friend of ours podcast called Fish Netflix 
recently and we were talking about Legally Blonde and like the product, heavy product placement of Clinique because it was like a, a you know, yes. what, early, yeah. early 2000s? Maybe when that yeah. movie came out and it was like Clinique everything. Totally. The fragrance, the, the blush, it was yeah everywhere. And it's so funny when I talk about the brand now, because when I was working at, at Clinique back then, Clinique was at its heyday. It was number one. Everyone wanted that brand. Every product that we launched was a big hit. And that was a, that was a generation ago. Now, this new generation, now we're now, Clinique is not, it's not even mentioned uh, anymore, but I, I, I was fortunate to work in its heyday, work there in its heyday. And, and it really set the stage of being that entry level department store brand that consumers could go to and get, 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 really get a prestigious product at an affordable price with a gift with purchase. <laughs> you know what's incredible though? I talk about this a lot. I don't wanna use a skincare product from a cosmetics brand, like a makeup brand, but with Clinique, I loved like their chubby sticks. I loved their actual makeup and I trusted their skincare as well. Like I I remember one of the first beauty products I ever bought from the brand was the clarifying lotion. And then obviously like the moisturizer was always recommended when you would go to the beauty counters and stuff as a kid. So I think that's actually really unique to Clinique. Hey, hey. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, so again, yeah, that's again, Clinique was one of those brands that did that had a strong presence and credibility in both skincare as well as makeup. Okay, I have another personal question. And Ron, if you don't know the answer to this and you don't want to answer it, I will literally cut this part out, okay? Okay. okay. So you worked for La Mer. Yes. And legitimately the discourse that I see online drives me wild. They talk about how La Mer is an expensive version of the Nivea cream. It, I know you're laughing. I know you're laughing. I already have said my piece about this. I can't say it anymore. Do you have thoughts on this? And if so, what are they? The La Mer formula has some similar ingredients or uses the same ingredients that some, some of the Nivea products. And that's the extent of it. They have some common ingredients. What's not mentioned or should be mentioned is that it has the, 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 C, the C ingredients, the marine derived ingredients, which is a great, it's a, it's a large percentage of that in the formula. And hence, it's, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process that requires a, you know, several months to make that broth, that miracle broth that's used, which is all C derived and kelp, marine derived ingredients that's then added to the base formula that has some of the ingredients that this Nivea product has. And that's why it's an expensive product. It's rich in so many minerals and nutrients. I, I've heard that back then as well, that it's basically Nivea, but it's, La Mer is a special product. There is no miracle broth in that Nivea. All right, thank you. <laughs> not at all, not at all, not. Not at all. Sarah and I have talked about La Mer literally since day one of this podcast. Like Sarah, it was on Sarah's products worth buying. It was our very first episode. We get asked this all the time. I have literally had estheticians write to me like, well, you know that La Mer is just a marked up version of Divya. No, it's not. Certainly brands can have similar ingredients, but the proprietary ingredient, the Miracle Broth, the Sea Kelp, those like nutrient rich things, those ingredients are not found in Nivea. So if you are looking maybe for just like an emollient moisturizer without any other benefits, sure, pick up Nivea. I love Nivea, they're great. I've used them before and I still do to this day. But like if you are actually looking for something that has benefits for like, 
I'm just thinking of Kate Hudson and Goldie Hawn and like Kate Hudson stealing La Mer from Goldie Hawn. Right. If you're like 22 and you're like the Nivea has the same effect on me as the La Mer. Well, it's like you don't you shouldn't be using La Mer. You don't need it yet. Yeah. You're fine with the Nivea. We talk about that, too. We talk about that, too. We say, you know, the La Mer, the creme de La Mer is heavy it's emollient like you have to warm it up and then you have to apply it like and I remember when I first used it in my 20s when I received like the little tiny sample as a beauty a little baby beauty editor I remember being like okay what's the hype around this like this feels a little heavy for me because I didn't need it like I had oily skin I uh prefer a more lightweight moisturizer anyways I always tell people if they are looking to buy a La Mer product like the moisturizer, buy the cooling gel or like buy the concentrate. It, you don't have to go straight to the creme de la mer. Agreed. I have a, I have a funny la mer story. So again, I'm working at, at the Estee Lauder companies, which your audience knows la mer is a division of Estee Lauder. And this is in the 90s. It's a decade of excess. Stock market's doing well. Prada, you know, all the designers, you know, Burberry, everyone's wearing designers. So a couple of socialites talking about that they love La Mer. And did you hear about its other use? It's so great for shining my stilettos, my, my Louboutins. That is some lavish Swear to God, that was, that was the thing that, 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 that ladies were using it, not only in their face, but it, it nothing shined their shoes better than slathering some La Mer on their stilettos. Sarah and I's, like our mouths are just a game. Are you kidding me? No, I don't care. I don't care if you have the money. I always think about this. I'm like, if I was just filthy rich, like what would I do? I would not use my La Mer on my stilettos. Thank you very much. I, I would maybe like put it all over my entire body. I was going to say, I've been using it on my bump and I'm already, I already feel guilty for that. She's a bougie baby. But it's at least my skin. She deserves it. That would, that would not fly these days but again that was in, in the 90s right. with a, a decade of excess i i have a i don't know if we've talked about this on the pod or if we just talked about this like one-on-one kirby but i heard from someone who used to work at la mer that people will take the jar and fill it with mayonnaise and try to return it at the department store. Oh my God. It doesn't surprise me. People will do certain things. It does not surprise me. <laughs> I, I can't imagine like getting a jar of mayonnaise. That sounds like a sick joke. That should be like on punked. So wild. <laughs> you people and your La Mer. Probably the same socialite that's using it on our shoes. She's the one returning it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Ron, we've reached the end of the road with this interview. We've had so much fun with you. Thanks for sharing all of your fun um, anecdotes. Sarah has one last question. As a beauty expert in the industry, what is your best piece of advice you like to offer people? I I think I kind of said it. It's really focusing on you and follow, you know, do you. Just do you. Educate yourself. Try and work with what is going to work for you. You know, that's, that's my advice. And look for look for performance, look for products that work and that where the testing has been done. Practical advice. Ron, when's your birthday? It was a couple of weeks ago. Was, I'm August 3rd. I'm a Leah. Oh my God, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my God. So many beauty experts are Leos. It's absolutely wild, but it totally makes sense in my opinion. We didn't, we should have included you in our list of beauty experts. There's so many. Oh, yay, Ron. Ron, you're amazing. Thank you so much for spending your uh, afternoon with us. We greatly appreciate it. Where can our listeners find Beautystat and you? Find us on Instagram at Beautystat. 
or at Ron Robinson Cosmetic Chemist. And then where can our listeners buy Beautystat? Beautystat.com. Thank you everybody for listening. You guys know where to find us. We are at Los Angeles Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Search us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Just a reminder, everyone, when you join our Facebook group, you have to fill out the questionnaire. It's literally two questions. It's super easy, but we won't let you in unless you do that because otherwise we're going to think you're a bot and Facebook has enough bots. We don't need them on our Facebook group. Visit us on our website, www.glossangelespod.com. I don't know why I put www every time I say this. People understand how to find websites on the internet, but if you find us there, we uh, have all our episodes, write-ups, and uh, you can subscribe to our wonderful podcast there. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 